we're at a song service. And he's totally worthy, isn't he? Yeah, thank you for leading us, worship team. Well, we've been looking at uh, resolutions for the new year. And we're going to look into our last one. This is our last uh, sermon on the resolutions. So let's pray before we look into God's word. Father, we thank you for your glorious person. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you help us so much and you're so worthy and that you have just this, uh, this straight line that we can follow and, and know you and love you and become close to you. And Father, um, we thank you for Carlos as was mentioned, we thank you that he has come, that he came to know you and that he has just rejoiced in you so much and he helps others. We pray that you would continue to bless him and help him in his ministry there. And then, Lord, that you'd open our eyes to your word this morning and just let us see more of your light. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, as we've been looking into these New Year's resolutions, we've been looking really into New Year's Christian revolution, resolutions. <laughs> and we've used Acts 2.42 as our outline. And it talks about the apostles or the disciples at the beginning of the church. And then the Jews were coming in on them. And so they had to kind of gather and support one another and they were under attack, but it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which the word of God, they're from the Old Testament, and what they taught became the New Testament, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, that's from the first century. The church was getting established. We've talked about the importance of the apostles' teaching, you know, the scriptures, how the scriptures need to be in our minds and in our hearts and guiding us as we walk with the Lord and learn more about him through the scriptures. We talked about the necessity of prayer, our connection to God, the way that we are built up in him, one way we are built up in him, and that, that the way we go to him and ask for things, he tells us to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming to him in prayer. And it changes our lives. We talked about Christian fellowship, where when people have a connection in the Lord, they can help one another, they can understand one another, they can uh, help each other grow. And that's what we have in our church, a Christ, good Christian fellowship. And that's what all Christians have, because we all have the Holy Spirit. So we have that fellowship at least in there. And we're going to finish our series this morning with a look into the breaking of bread, and after which Brian is going to come up and lead us in the Lord's Supper. So that'll be a real, a real fitting ending to this morning. Now, you know, we just saw how verse 42 mentions the breaking of bread and then to prayer. And even though that phrase is also used for just people gathering for meals, regular meals, 
they call it the breaking of bread. And if you go on down into that passage there and a few verses more, they talk about them breaking bread in their homes. But in this instance, it's meaning the Lord's Supper because they're all together. They devoted themselves and the breaking of bread refers to the Lord's Supper too. But what I'd like to do in the next several minutes is to look at an incident in the Bible during the time of Jesus' ministry on the earth where bread becomes the most critical issue. And Jesus shows us how everything depends upon our understanding of what he calls the true bread. So bread will be the focus. We're going to be in John chapter 6, but I'm going to just kind of briefly talk through the beginning of John chapter 6 until we get to the passage that we'll focus on. In John chapter 6, it says a great crowd of people were following Jesus because he was healing people. And so the crowds just kept gathering. And then when he was finished with what he was going to do with, with the crowd, he took his disciples upon a mountainside to be alone with them. But as they got there, I guess they looked back over their shoulder and here comes the crowd following them. And so it's this massive crowd following him. <clears throat> and guess what Jesus asked his disciples? You might guess, run, you know, or whatever. But he said, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Okay, you know, they were already out in the wilderness, and now they're on a mountain. And he says this to his disciples. In the Gospel of John, John says that he did this to test his disciples. And of course, they had no means to feed all these people. But, of course, they did sit, find a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. And we know that that's not going to feed very many people, maybe two. But Jesus told them to have the people sit, and he took the loaves, and he gave thanks, and they distributed the bread to everyone seated. There were thousands. Then he did the same with the fish, and it says that they they could eat as much as they wanted. So they took these five loaves, these two fish, and everybody, the thousands, got all that they wanted. He did the same with the fish, and after this amazing incident, the people began declaring, this must be the prophet that was to come into the world. And they wanted to make him king. So he basically hid himself from them so they could not come and take him by force. Now, <clears throat> John says that when evening came, the disciples went down to the lake, got into a boat, and set off for Capernaum, which is across the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's also known as a lake. It's, it's not a huge sea. It's just more of a giant lake. And as they set out before, the, before it came dark, and as time went along, a wind began to blow, and the waters became very, very rough. And as they kept rowing, and not knowing what, they were, what was going to happen to them, they saw Jesus approaching, and he was walking on top of the water. And it scared the disciples just to see this figure coming at them, walking on the water. And he said, it is I, do not be afraid. And as they took him into the boat, John says, the gospel writer, 
that as soon as he entered the boat, the boat was immediately on the other side to Capernaum, where they were headed. So boom, boom, they're there. So the disciples were witnessing some pretty wild stuff going on in that time. And then on the next day, the crowd came out looking for Jesus back on the first shore they were at, you know, where he, where he was healing them. <clears throat> and they were confused because they knew there was only one boat. And they knew the disciples got in the boat and, and went across. But they didn't know how Jesus got there. And then the God, uh, John says that these boats from Tiberias came in. And so all the people got into those boats and went over to find Jesus. Now, here's where we meet up with the all-important subject of bread. And here's where Jesus tells them that they must be able to learn to discern between one kind of bread and the true bread. And in fact, everyone must learn to distinguish between just any old bread and the true bread. So now I'd like to read you, <clears throat> have you follow along, as I read from John chapter 6, 25 through 27. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? These are the people who, who went across. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So Jesus says, you're not following me because of the miracles. He's talking about the healings and the, the bread that, you know, that he made into thousands of pieces, really. He goes, you're following me because of the food. Now, you know, if they had been following him for the healings and the fact that he miraculously multiplied that bread and fish, then they could be following him because they believe he is the son of God and can do miracles and has the power of God and therefore has the answer to eternal life. But if they're only following him for the food, because they want him to feed them, then their desires are only earthly. And the idea of this special man is that he can keep their bellies full, giving them total earthly comfort. And in their minds, sure, I'll vote for him for king, as long as he keeps feeding us. And so everything was earthly, wasn't it? Everything was what they could get. So Jesus tells them, again, do not work for the food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So Jesus is telling them to set their sights on heavenly rewards. You know, look to the future kingdom. Work for the food that endures to eternal life. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. I mean, that's, a, that's something that is, uh, can apply all through scriptures, doesn't it? 
Don't make free meals your top motivation for the way you make your decisions. Think eternal. So then, in verses 28 and 29, it says, Then they asked him, Well, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So he's telling them that they must turn to the one God that has said he that one that God has sent to save them. But he's telling them they must put all their hopes into God's answer for them, into God's way of salvation for them. So the work of God is to place their faith in God's only Son, the only one who can redeem them and save them. And he's telling them to choose God's plan for eternal life, not the pathway to earthly comfort or just feeding your bellies or just making everything so earthly. Now, you know, Jesus tells them that just plain out. Don't do it just for the earthly comfort. So certainly after Jesus tells them so plainly not to go after the food that endures you know, just, well, just a short while, but the food that endures eternally. The food that the Son of Man will give them on whom God the Father has placed his approval. Well, certainly now they must be beginning to get what Jesus is saying. And the work of God is to believe on the one he sent. So let's look how they answer in 30 and 31. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? So, uh, he'd already done a lot of signs, hadn't he? And so so he's, he's saying you must just put your faith in God's eternal bread. And they're saying, okay, what sign can you show us so that we can believe you? And here it is. Here's their suggestion. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, you know, under Moses. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Did they hear anything that he just said to them? They are saying, okay, you want us to believe in the one God has sent So what can you show us that you came from God? How about Moses showed our fathers by giving them manna every day in the wilderness. He gave them, and then they spiritualized, he gave them bread from heaven. We're thinking of heaven. Hint, hint. But really, they're still looking for him to feed them, aren't they? I mean, that's what they're wanting. They just want him to feed them daily. Even though he keeps telling them not to work for the food that spoils, but the food that goes or lasts into eternal life. But you see how they said it. They called it bread from heaven instead of like bread from the sky, you know. So it's like they're saying, we are thinking eternal. Moses gave them bread from heaven. Now, you know, it's hard for us human beings to get our minds off the earthly 
and the temporary, isn't it? You know, it's just where we live, right? It's just all around us. It affects us all the time. We live in that world. I've always said, and others have too, it's the ocean we swim in, our total surroundings, all the enticements that we see all the time, especially in a culture like ours that's so wealthy. And the people who are successful in the earthly realm, they, we watch them. They receive fantastic rewards, don't they? They may attain great wealth for their earthly efforts. They may have people falling down at their feet because they are so earthly, popular, and rich, and famous. They may have people watching every move they make and every piece of clothing they wear because they want to be like them and they want to be successful like them. And then we have the even earthly super wealthy, some of the richest people on earth, and some, they get together, they met just recently, and they get together every so often, and they, you know, fly in from all over the place, and they try to make decisions for the rest of the world. You know, what we should be eating and not eating, how we shouldn't be driving certain kinds of cars as they're flying in on their jets, private jets, what we shouldn't be driving how we should be living so differently than we are at this point. And this is part of the earthly mindset. That's the reason I bring it up. Because I'm just showing you how, you know, in our world, we just are driven to the earthly mindset. And like the Jews in Jesus' day, not able to, to pull their minds away from wanting the Messiah to just meet their physical needs and feed them. But I want you to listen how Jesus answers their comment about Moses giving them food. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. See, there's the bread versus the true bread. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that they were wrong when they said that Moses gave them the bread from heaven. Now, you know, Moses was their leader at the time that the manna was coming down every day, right? And how they were being fed, and Moses was leading them. So there was a strong connection to Moses, of course. But it was God who gave them the manna, during the time of Moses' leadership. And that manna was very, very short-lived, wasn't it? If they tried to eat it the next day, it was rotten, right? And Jesus is saying that the true bread from heaven came from his Father. And that is eternal. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and, and gives life to the world. Manna was good for one day, right? And when they tried to eat it the next day, it was rotten. But the bread of God is good for all eternity. So Jesus is speaking on a whole different level, isn't he? He's talking eternal life. Life forever. Life that never, ever, ever ends. 
life eternal, lived in the presence of God. And the bread he's talking about is the bread of God that comes from heaven and gives life to the whole world. <clears throat> he's talking about the bread that will nourish us. <clears throat> that will nourish us spiritually. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's talking about the bread that will nourish us spiritually by bringing us forgiveness of sins <clears throat> and a home forever in God's eternal kingdom. And the choice that everyone must make is Am I going to invest my life in earthly riches and fame and earthly comfort, earthly importance, living totally for the here and now? Whoever dies with the most toys wins. Whoever achieves the most <clears throat> earthly fame comes in first. Or will I choose the bread of God that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world? I mean, big difference, isn't there? <laughs> well, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Let's see what these Jews say to Jesus after this talk about the true bread from heaven. They said, Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from the heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. <clears throat> the bread of life, not just good for one day, but for all eternity. Not just something to fill our bellies, but someone to fill our lives to overflowing. And all who accept the true bread of life will be raised up on the last day. I mean, what a promise. All who, who uh, partake of the right bread will rise. So we can devote our whole lives on earthly pursuits, and we might live in comfort or in style or maybe even wealth or glamour or popularity but we are being offered a much, much better choice. And it's in this last verse. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. What a promise. But we must look past the earthly in order to get to the heavenly. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is so clear. We thank you that your love is so great. And we thank you that you've given us the true pathway 
in the, in, the, in the person of the true bread. Thank you for your love to us and how you planned everything out so perfectly and the, t- the opportunity we have to live with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.